The information provided in this podcast episode is for education and entertainment purposes only and is in no way a replacement for a relationship with a licensed mental health professional and should not be considered or used as clinical or professional consultation. With that said, here is a taste of what you will get in today's episode. So empowering and it's just something beautiful that happens when you let blackness seep into every space of your life and seep into the the point that it has like the aroma of blackness. You know how you walk in somebody's house and you be like, "Ooh, your house smell good," and like every crevice of their house smell good, and you like, "Girl, what scent is that?" You know, you got the scent of blackness on you. <laughs> okay. Now keep listening to today's episode because there are some cultural jewels that I am dropping on y'all. And of course, thank you so much for your support. Enjoy the episode. Francis James Grimke, 1850 to 1937. Francis J. Grimke, author, student of law, and outspoken scholarly minister, used his church as a battleground. His scathing sermons were weapons in defending the rights of blacks. Born in Charleston, South Carolina, on November 4, 1850, he was the second of three sons of Henry Grimke, a white plantation slaveholder, and Nancy Weston, a slave servant of the household. Francis' father died in 1852, leaving the family in the hands of the eldest son, Montague. When young Francis reached the age of 10, having previously lived as a de facto free person, his white half-brother tried to enslave him. He escaped and joined the army, serving as a valet to the Confederate officer, but after two years was found again by Montague and placed in a Charleston workhouse. Excuse me. Francis became ill and almost died from exposure and bad treatment. He was allowed to return to his mother, but before he was able to regain his strength and flee his mother's house, Montag sold him and he was forced to work as a servant until the end of the Civil War. Mrs. P. Pillsbury, a white abolitionist, arranged for Grimke to enter Lincoln University in Pennsylvania, and he received moral and financial support from his white quote-unquote aunt. Francis was a superior student, graduating in 1870 with high honors and later studying at law, Lincoln, and Howard Universities. In 1875, he entered the ministry at Princeton Theological Seminary, graduated in 1878, and immediately accepted a pastorship in Washington, D.C. He later married the well-known Charlotte Fortin, who died in 1914. Their only child, Theodora Cornelia, was born and died in 1880. Reverend Grimke thrust into the role of social prophet, condemned the hypocrisy of American life as well as that of the church. The American Bible Society noted evangelist and his own denomination became targets of his criticism. He circulated numerous sermons, 
God and the Race Problem, and Jim Crow Christianity and the Negro, and developed many lectures in an effort to expose the growing segregation movement in the Christian churches. As chairman of the Committee of Religion and Ethics of the Afro-Pespertarian Council, Grimke's position gave him a platform to develop and strengthen its character of moral excellence and to achieve social and spiritual salvation. Although Grimke considered himself to be a radical and an agitator, he shaped his ministry to conform to his perception of the pastor as moral exemplar. However, when lynching and race riots broke out in southern states, he became enraged. He stated that it was the duty of Blacks to be prepared to defend themselves against organized murderous assaults. After the Springfield, Illinois race riots in 1908, Grimke joined other concerned Black and white leaders in forming the NAACP. Reverend Grimke gave financial support and gifts to Howard and Lincoln universities to help Black youths attain a higher education. He owned an impressive library consisting of over 1,000 volumes of selected works on literature, theology, philosophy, history, art, and other subjects. When he retired in 1925, he divided his books between Lincoln and Howard, where they were commissioned as the Francis J. Grimke Collections. He also gave $4,000 to Lincoln and $4,500 to the Board of Pensions of the Presbyterian Church in America. Prior to his death in 1937, Francis J. Grimke stated, the Federation of White Churches, consciously or unconsciously, stands for a Christianity that layers that lays greater emphasis upon the color of a man's skin than upon his Christian character. End quote. What's up, y'all? I'm coming on real quick to ask you to do me a favor. If you are a listener of my podcast, please make sure to leave a review. I don't care if you've been listening from day one or if this is your first time listening. Go ahead and leave a review on whatever platform you're listening to. Because when you leave a review, it helps other people find my podcast, which ultimately is helping more people be culturally aware. So after this episode, take a few seconds to leave a review. I'm thanking you in advance for being part of making cultural change one listen at a time and one review at a time. Alrighty, let's jump into the episode. Hello, hello, hello. Welcome to another episode of Walk a Day in My Culture. This is a podcast where I help you increase your cultural awareness by talking about the daily experiences I have as a Black woman. I believe that if you guys can hear my experiences, you can hypothetically walk a day in my culture, which will help you to literally walk on the path of increasing your cultural awareness and 
If you happen to be a Black listener, I truly believe that by listening to the experiences of my cultural walk, you should leave each episode feeling validated, liberated, and empowered because you are hearing and witnessing me, your Black sister, boldly step into my full-fledged Blackness and the beauty of that walk. So, With that whole mouthful said, let's get into today's episode, which is entitled, When Black Folks Get Woke. Um, So before we start, y'all know, listen, I got to figure out a different time to record because I'll be really trying not to wake the baby. And, you know, I like my little little sultry voice here, but I, I also like to be real expressive. So we're going to see how this go today. <laughs> but anyway, um, before we get into the episode, like before we really, really get into the episode, let's just do our welcome to our world segment. Um, I want to start the top of this segment off by just acknowledging more, unfortunately, black lives that have been lost at the hands of police. Um, We have Walter Wallace Jr., um, who was killed by police a couple of weeks ago. Um, And then we have Kevin Patterson Jr., hopefully I'm saying his name right, um, who was also killed by the police. Uh, Let's just take a moment of silence for these two black men, and I'll talk a little bit more about my thoughts about that in a second. But again, we just hope that Walter Wallace Jr. and Kevin Patterson Jr. can rest in peace, and we don't want to forget their names. All right, y'all, thank you for honoring that moment of peace. Um, You know, there's a lot going on around these two deaths. Um, They are saying that both these men, and these are separate occasions, but the the theme with both of these men is that uh, they're saying that they had weapons and um, one man was apparently supposedly shooting at the police. Another one um, was supposedly you know, carrying a a knife. You know, my thing is this, okay? Even if that is true, I just don't understand why the white people who have recently been threats to the police and society are still alive. I mean, a few months ago, We had a whole white man go on a complete rampage and just like shoot at cops, killed a cop, went on his merry way, had heavy like armed weapons and was detained without a problem. But our black bodies are quote unquote a threat and we just shot dead and killed when we got white folks out there straight up losing a whole mind and walking around with assault rifles and they get detained and not a problem i just i just don't understand 
And I think I'm going to start adding an element to this section of welcome to our world, because sometimes I'm being 150% honest, it's difficult for me to want to research what's going on in our community and or report what's happening in the black community. Because again, I'm in this black body, I live this black body every day. And so there are moments and will continue to be moments where I don't report the negativity because it's just too much. It's too anxiety provoking. Again, I have a whole black husband and a whole black baby, a whole black family, and I'm living in a whole black body. So I don't want to necessarily always expose myself to the fact that we're being killed and, you know, victims every single day to some foolery. Um, But I say all of that to say... I am going to just try to add a little bit of spice to our Welcome to Our World segment. And I'm going to just pick a music choice of the week. Um, And 99.999% of the time, this is going to be a Black artist because this is a podcast about Black experiences. And that's what we're going to do. So this week, if y'all follow me on Instagram, which y'all should be doing, You already know that sometimes I post the type of music that I listen to, and I have a very eclectic palette, should I say. Well, I wouldn't say fully eclectic. I like certain stuff. So I go from gospel to hip-hop to R&B. That's pretty much what I do. A little bit of rap. I feel like hip-hop and rap can be the same thing, but then sometimes it's just that hardcore rap that I do. And yes, I said gospel, okay? I am a work in progress, and Jesus know. He know me. He made me. He created me wonderfully in his name. And he know I am still a work in progress. So yes, I'd listen. I might turn on Megan the Stallion, and then I might turn on Shirley Caesar. And that's my business, okay? But <laughs> let's get into the music choice of this week. So I am picking, I can't believe I'm going to say this, but I'm picking two chains Um, His album is called So Help Me God, and it's a pretty good album. I'm not a 2 Chains fan, not even a little bit. I don't necessarily like his style, but my husband has been just talking about this album. He's been talking about it so much, and so I was downstairs cleaning up the kitchen, and I just decided to, like, listen to the album in my AirPods, because, you know, Faith... She had that mimicking stage. This child is real smart. I ain't just saying that because she my baby. And so I'm like, well, we can't be listening to the two, two chains out loud unless it's the edited version. And I don't like edited rap. And so I gotta say, I like about 75, maybe 80% of the album. I feel like it's only like three, maybe four songs on there that I'm just like, mm, not really. But I think it's like 15, 16 songs. So that's that's pretty good for me because I have a, a low threshold for music that I don't be feeling. Um, and then I originally had said that um, Anita Wilson, which is a gospel artist, her song is called Jesus Will. And I had originally said that that was going to be my um, another one of my picks and my choices. And I'm going to still leave that on there. But let me tell you. Marvin Sapp got a new album and he got a song on there called New Thing and it is just a whole vibe and it just gives me life. So 
those are my music choices of the week for the welcome to our world segment and then um one more thing i just want to name in this section is shout out to president obama he got a new book that comes out well for y'all it's gonna already be out for me it comes out tomorrow um but by the time I air this, it would have either came out today or would have come out on um, Tuesday. But it's called The Promised Land. And I'm very excited about this. So I got to make sure I get my copy um, of his book. I want a physical copy of it. And I also want to purchase the uh, audiobook because he is the narrator. And so I plan on reading Michelle's book one day. I got the audiobook and then I'm gonna read his book and I'm gonna just be the old school adult with a whole read along on tape. I'm so excited about it, but I'm so excited that Obama has a book coming out. I gotta just make sure I get it um, before it get all sold out. So just wanted to name those things and welcome to our world. I know we started off a little a little down, but hopefully I picked y'all up a little bit because it's not just negativity happening in our community. We got a lot going on in our world that is to that should have us holding our head up. Hello. Yes, it's me again. I had to pause the podcast real quick to promote my newsletter subscription. Are you signed up to my newsletter? If so, thank you so much. If not, what are you waiting for? Go to my website, www.bloomintoyourbestself.com and sign up. Each month you get a cultural newsletter and each week you get a cultural tip and it's free. It's really no excuse for you not to be signed up to my newsletters, especially if you listen to the podcast. So go and sign up. Alrighty, let's get back to the podcast. Okay, let's get into the episode for today, which again is called When Black Folks Get Woke. Um, and today I want to talk with you guys about three things that happen when black folks become woke. And today I'm going to be talking directly to my black listeners. And if you're not black, that don't mean that you need to be clicking off right now. Okay. Don't be getting all in your feelings. You still need to listen because like I always say, I am sure that there is a black person in your life in some capacity somewhere, be it at work, be it a neighbor, be it a friend, be it a lover, be it an in-law, you know, a black person somewhere. And at the very end, which don't mean you need to be scrubbing and fast forward into the end, but at the very end, I'm going to give you just a tip um, on what you can do when you have the privilege to run into a black person that is woke as a non-black person and how you can support that black person. And you need to listen to the whole episode so that you can share it with a black person that you know, and not just share it and not listen to the episode, but actually listen to today's episode if you ain't black so that if you decide to share it and pass it along to a black person, you can have a conversation with them and be informed about what they are listening to, which means you need to listen to the whole episode. Okay, so let's get into it. So last week, I gave you guys a tiny little snippet slash hint 
of what happens when we get woke, right? I kind of went through some stuff. So to refresh your memory, let me repeat these names, okay? So we have Shet Antadiop, Asa Hillard, Dr. Wade Nobles, Naeem Akbar, Anthony Browder, and Francis Cress Welsing. These are just a few, and I emphasize few, of the amazing Black scholars that we all should be aware of as Black folks. Like, we need to know about these people. And let me follow up this statement by saying we should be familiar, we should know these scholars but that doesn't mean we have to like know the ins and outs i haven't read nowhere near much of their work but what i have seen what i have listened to and what i have read has been life changing for me as a black person and that leads me to my first point of what happens when black folks get woke it is overwhelming Like I just said, I haven't dived as deep, nowhere near as deep as I would like to with the work of these scholars, right? But what I have seen has been great information and knowledgeable information, but it is overwhelming and it's not overwhelming in a bad way. I want to really make that clear for my Black folks that's listening. It's just almost how would I describe it? It's almost like it's overwhelming because it's like a brain overload. It's so much information for us to process as Black people with this amazing work that these scholars have done. Then as a Black person, we have to process what we have processed by looking at our life and where this knowledge that these scholars are blessing us with fits into our life. And so it becomes overwhelming because of the amount of knowledge that's out there for us. And what also makes it overwhelming is the knowledge that's out there for us has sort of been hidden, but has been in our face all along. And by that, I mean, it's been right under our noses, but we are like so westernized that we think that this is new information because that's how a Western society wants us to think. So let me break that down for you and give you a little bit of an example. Um, Y'all know I am a member of the Bay Area chapter of Black Psychologists. And after doing like a year long program that they were putting on when they started educating people about black psychology, I had the honor to be able to speak on a panel about the impact of black psychology. And I remember when I was drafting my notes and I was preparing for what I was going to say and what I was going to talk about on the panel, I had originally written down, I wish I knew about this information when I was doing my internships, right? Like when I was fresh out of graduate school. But the truth of the matter, okay? Like the truth, truth of the matter is like that information has been around for like so long, like so long. Um, It's a little bit shocking that I I had this moment of... um, 
almost like I want to I just want to say it like Western thinking where I was really feeling like, man, I wish I knew this information. But again, like I said, the truth of the matter is this information has been around for so long. Over half of my thesis in graduate school was based on the Journal of Black Psychology, right? And then when we break that down, the Journal of Black Psychology is derived from the Association of Black Psychology, right? And then when we break that down, the Association of Black Psychology is a national association, which has a local chapter here in the Bay Area. And that local chapter has been formed for, if my math serves me correctly, over 50 years, right? Are we getting close to over 50 years? Um, I feel like it was formed around, um, based off of one, what, one of, what one of the elders told me from um, the Bay Area chapter of Black Psychology. The Bay Area chapter has been formed approximately from around 1975 or 1976. And so when we look at that mathematically, right, we are in 2020. And um, if we're talking about two nights, sorry, 19, like 1975, 1976-ish, that's like 45, 44 years that this Bay Area chapter has been around and my thesis was based off of that over like 12 years or so ago and I'm feeling like when I did this panel three years ago that this was like new information and the truth of the matter is it was not new information so that's what I mean when I say it's overwhelming because we feel like this information is new and it's kind of been hidden from us, but it's not really been hidden from us. And so when we get woke, woke, we start really recognizing the things that happen in Western society and how it kind of like almost like muddles our thinking, so to speak. And we have to kind of awake from that. And that can become very overwhelming. So after this commercial break, I'm going to come back and I'm going to talk about um, the next reason that I feel like, you know, what happens when when black folks become woke. So make sure that you go on and take your restroom break, get you a snack, change your position, but listen to all of the commercials. Because as you know, I embed that second black uh, civil rights leader somewhere within this episode. So make sure you listen. I'll be right back. What's up, you guys? You already know what this section of the podcast is about. This is my business update where I update all of you guys on what's going on and what's new with my business. As I always say, make sure to listen to this entire commercial because it is ever-changing because things in my business are ever-changing. Everything I'm about to share with you can be found in more detail on my website, which is www.bloomintoyourbestself.com. All right. So my cultural edition planner has 
been released. It is full of worksheets and all kind of good stuff. It is handmade with cultural love. So you need to go on over and order your copy now under the books and products tab on my website. A description of the planner can be found there as well. And on January 30th of 2021, I will be doing yet another one of my trainings, which is entitled Cultural Awareness When Working with the African-American Community. Um, You can find more details about how to register for that workshop on my website. These right now are the current updates that I am doing in my business. Again, you can check out the details of all that I've described here on my website because one, if not both, of these things will help you bloom into your best self. All right, y'all. So I am back. So I have two more um, things that I feel like happen when black folks get woke. And then I just have some really quick tips for you guys. And then we'll be done with the episode. So The next thing that I feel like happens with black folks when we get woke continues to piggyback on my off of my first point, which is how overwhelming it is um, when we start getting woke and really start waking up from this Western form of thinking and all the knowledge that we are like downloading within our system. It can be scary, right? (laughs) And so, again, this is not a bad thing, right? It's just different and it's just very eye opening. And we all know when our eyes start being open to certain things, regardless of how great that, uh, you know, eye opening is, it still can be scary. And I think when we become woke as Black people, it's scary. And so sometimes for me, it gets a little bit scary. And I think it's scary because as black people, um, and, and starting to have this new form of awakening, we start noticing things about us as a people, as far as black people. And then we start noticing stuff about white folks, right? Um, so we'll, we'll recognize things that you know, we thought we knew about black folks. Um, and it might make us second guess like certain interactions that take place depending on who you're interacting with. If you're interacting with a black person who you originally thought was really woke, but now you on some real deep awakening within yourself and you realize that that black person ain't as woke as you thought that they was. Or the same thing can go for like a white person that you thought was woke, that you thought was down, that you thought was a, you know, quote unquote ally. And I'm gonna have to do an episode one day on on ally because there's some stuff out there that I just really want to share with y'all about um, that term ally, but I digress. But anyway, (laughs) you know, you start noticing some stuff that happens with the white people who you thought was woke and down for the cause. And then you realize that they actually ain't as woke as they thought they was. And it really can be scary to start recognizing these things. Um, but then it is, it's not just scary to recognize these things in other people, but I think what's even more scary is when you start recognizing what's happening 
happening within you. Because when you start getting like woke, woke, I mean like really woke. I'm not talking about no surfacey woke and, you know, you done read Roots or you familiar with Dr. Joy DeGroy, you know, or you got a little bit of knowledge about black psychology. But I mean, when you start really digging deep into some of this stuff that these scholars have been talking about, like getting woke, woke on your black consciousness woke, then you start realizing it's not your job or your role to be in constant communication about the appropriateness or inappropriateness of the behaviors you encounter. And breaking that down a little bit more, I think that this becomes more scary for us as black people because you realize this, especially when you are in relationship with white folks, whether it's in a professional relationship or a personal relationship, you just have this realization and like, I know for me, I, I personally be like, I'm not your toolbox. And even people like listening to this and hearing this might be like, oh yeah, you know, I'm woke. I don't use black folks as a toolbox, you know, or black people might be like, oh yeah, you know, well, my white friend, she don't use me as a toolbox or he don't use me as a toolbox or whatever. But we got to think about it on a deeper level. And so I think for me, my thought has been, I'm not your toolbox. I'm not your resource and my black experience is not available for you to just soak up and witness because you can't never witness my experience the way that it deserves to be witnessed. And I think one of the differences between being being in relationship with white folks and with black folks during this deep awakening is like the feeling of craving. And so... When you get woke, you start craving to be around black folks so that you can share your experience. Even if these are black folks that are not necessarily woke and not necessarily wanting to be woke and wanting to do the work, there's still like this craving, like I wanna enlighten them. I wanna help them wake up. Like you really, really, really wanna help black folks get woke. And I think the scary thing about this and the craving that takes place is it's a little bit more, and this might sound rude and, you know, a little segregative, and that's not the point I'm trying to make, but I'm just trying to keep it real, is you don't necessarily crave to awaken white folks or to share your experience like that with white folks on such a deep level anymore, because it's it's just this level of exposure, Um that you just ain't trying to expose yourself to anymore. And when you start getting woke and realizing the different ways that we have been exposed as black people back in the day, currently, and probably in the future, you just don't want to set yourself up for that. And so it's kind of scary because then it's like, well, what kind of like deep relationship are you going to be able to have with non-black people and so I think that's where we have to do the work as black folks is just stay aware stay conscious um, of what's happening within the relationships that you have with non-black people and then making an informed decision um, based off of like those things which is a podcast for a whole nother day but I will start derailing if I break that down anymore so I'm not going to all right the next thing uh that 
I think happened, which is the last thing. I mean, there's many things besides just three things, but I think I'm just going to focus on these three today. So we have the fact that it's overwhelming. We have the fact that it's scary, but I think the most beautiful thing of it all, what happens when black folks get woke is that it is freeing. So to wake up to this level of black consciousness, honey, boo-boo, chow, let me tell you, it is so empowering and it is so freeing because you make room and space for your blackness to seep into every single part of your being and that is a freeing and beautiful thing and when you make space for your blackness to just seep into your whole existence that sometimes means that you gotta let some stuff go and back to what I just said you gotta sometimes let whiteness go and not just white relationships. I'm not saying that we need to let go of white relationships because we do have to have balance, but I am saying sometimes you end up having to let those things go. But on a deeper level, you got to let go of the, when I say let go of whiteness, I mean, not just only relationship, right? Because that don't have to necessarily be let go. But what you really need to let go of with whiteness is the white way of thinking, the white way of being, the white way of talking, and the white way of acting. And that is letting go of whiteness. So you can still be in a relationship with a white person and let go of the white way of thinking when you're interacting with them, let go of the white way of being when you're interacting with them, let go of the white way of talking when interacting with them, and let go of the white way of acting when interacting with them. And I guess to talk about making informed decisions um I ain't gonna go into this too much but I do feel like I probably need to go back to it making an informed decision with your black consciousness and deciding like should I be done with this this situation is this a healthy white relationship for me to have and I think one key thing right here is if you can't let go of the white way of thinking or being or talking or acting if it is creeping in in any kind of way in that relationship and there's like no ability for you to like not do that but you are able to not do that in other relationships then that could be an indication that you gotta let that white relationship go um but again I just think overall letting go of whiteness When you can do that, when you can let go, and I know I keep saying it, but I'm beating it like a dead horse. I think it's important because when you can let go of the white way of thinking, the white way of being, the white way of talking, and the white way of acting, aka letting go of westernized actions and thoughts, you wake up on a whole nother level. And so most of us as black folks who are really pro-black and all you know about blackness and you know being natural and things like that a lot of us have let those things go on the surface right but when you start getting woke and again on this deep black consciousness type of waking up then you let those things go within your soul within your psyche and within your being and that 
is 150% freeing. And once you have that feeling, you will not want to turn back for nothing. So I think that this, this final little point right here is just the best of them all. It's so freeing to wake up to this level of black consciousness is so empowering and it's just something beautiful that happens when you let blackness seep into every space of your life and seep into the the point that it has like the aroma of blackness you know how you walk in somebody's house and you be like oh your house smell good and like every crevice of their house smell good and you like girl what scent is that you know, you got the scent of blackness on you. <laughs> okay. So I'm going to take one more commercial break and then I'm going to come back and um, talk to y'all about some tips on what happens when you wake up as a black person and or when you encounter um, a black person and you ain't black. So y'all know what to do. You already know what to do. Go ahead with this commercial. Listen to the whole commercial. But come on right back so we can end the show. I'll be right back. Fanny Lou Hammer, 1917 to 1977. Fanny Lou Hammer was the founder and vice chairwoman of the Mississippi Freedom Democratic Party. MFDP, which was successful in unseating the all-white Democratic Party in 1968. She earned the sobriquet, quote, First Lady of Civil Rights. She was born on October 6, 1917 in Ruleville, Mississippi, the last of 20 children of Jim and Lou Ella Townsend. Her parents were sharecroppers, and although the family picked from 50 to 60 bales of cotton yearly, they had very little to eat and were often without shoes. Fanny went to school periodically until she reached the sixth grade. At age 24, she married Perry Hammer, a tractor driver, and moved with him to Sunflower County near Ruleville, and they became sharecroppers. Realizing that they could not have children, they adopted two daughters who eventually provided them with grandchildren. In 1962, Fannie Lou became involved with the civil rights movement when the Southern Christian Leadership Conference and the Student Nonviolent Coordinating Committee held a meeting in Ruleville. She and 17 others agreed to go to the county courthouse and attempt to register to vote. They were asked 21 questions, one of which was to copy and interpret a part of the Mississippi Constitution. They all failed. Fannie Lou left a warning that she would be back again and again until she passed. On the way home, the driver of their bus was stopped by the police and was fined $100 for driving a bus of, quote, the wrong color. When she reached home, her employer advised her that, quote, we are not ready for this in Mississippi. I didn't register for you, she said. I tried to register for me. She and her family were forced to leave their home and the employer took their furnishings, and their car. 
Fannie Lou's life became a living hell. She was hunted like a dog, shot at, cursed and abused by angry mobs of white men. On January 10th, 1963, Fannie Lou passed her voter registration test. Returning home, she was arrested by policemen who told her, quote, we are going to make you wish you were dead, end quote. They ordered two black prisoners to beat me until they were exalted, she said. My body was hard and seemed dead. I got this blood clot in my left eye, the sights nearly gone, and my kidney was injured from the blows given to my back, end quote. Fannie Lou recalled this statement. She later heard the officers plotting to kill her. Word of her mistreatment reached Dr. King, who demanded her immediate release. Fannie Lou and her friends were carried out of jail, bloodied, bruised, and unconscious by Andrew Young and James Bevel. Fannie refused to let this horrid, brutal experience deter her. In 1964, Fannie Lou, an articulate and forceful speaker, became the first black woman to run for Congress from the second district of Mississippi. The name of the MFDP was eventually changed to the Mississippi Loyalist Democratic Party, MLDP. And in 1968, the Credentials Committee granted the MLDP its rightful seat at the National Democratic Convention held in Chicago. Fannie Lou received a standing ovation as she took her seat and subsequently received speaking invitations from across the nation. In 1970, she received the first of several honorary doctorate degrees. Over time, she received many awards and citations. Realizing a lifelong dream, Fannie L. Hammer raised over $1 million for Sunflower County, and she also established a 680-acre complex, Freedom Former Corporative, to house and feed the poor of all races. She later founded the Fannie Lou Hammer Daycare Center for the Children of Working Mothers. Fannie Lou Hammer died on March 14, 1977. The state of Mississippi passed a resolution praising and commending her life and her struggle for human dignity. Have you ever wanted to receive services that truly consider your culture first? I mean, like, really considered your culture first. Not in a surface or fluffy way, but in a very deep, rich, and validating way. Well, look no further. My husband and I have finally put our brains together on how we can provide services that consider your culture first. At Culture First Family Therapy and Training Services, we offer an array of services that help people truly become more culturally aware. From the trainings and workshops we develop and offer, to the consultations we provide, to training our supervisees to use their cultural lens when providing services to people of color, we believe in putting culture first. 
go check out our website and the services that we offer over at www.culturefirst with the number one.org. Again, that website is www.culturefirst.org. C U L T U R E, the number one. ST.org. We are so excited about this and we just look forward to helping you embark on the journey of cultural awareness by learning how to put culture first. All right, so let's get into the tips um, that I want to give y'all. So I'm going to start with the non-Black folks who are still listening. Um, Thank y'all for hanging in there. I'll start with y'all because I've been focusing real heavy on talking directly to my people throughout this whole podcast. Um, So I just want to let you know if you, and I'm only giving you one tip because it's, you know, I think you really just need one tip to take home. But if you happen to have the privilege to be around a real woke, like woke, woke black person, it's only one tip I want to give you and I'll break it down for you. But the tip is for you to respect their knowledge, right? Don't challenge it. Don't question it or compare like other plights to it. Just respect the black person and the knowledge that they are kind of sharing with you. Many times people question our research as black people. They question if the information we learn is valid. They want to cross-reference it all the time, or they want to compare other forms of oppression to our oppression. And I'm just telling you, just don't just don't do that, right? Just respect the process. Um, I'm not saying that you cannot discuss other forms of oppression or you can't have a fluid conversation with the black person in your life. But what I am saying is you need to wait for the appropriate time. Like that is not the appropriate time if a black person has decided to enlighten you or share something with you that they've learned. I think what people got to realize when you got a real woke black person in your life and you have the privilege and honor to sit with that person and for them to share some stuff with you, again, it is a true honor if a black person decides to share some of the knowledge that they learn because this type of knowledge on some real woke black consciousness stuff this is like precious gold that we are learning so if we decide to share it with a non-black person you better believe that that's a true honor that you are getting whether that person is a close friend an acquaintance a co-worker it don't matter if they are sharing this information with you you better take that as an honor because let me tell you there's a certain level of information as black people we just ain't sharing period so if you have the privilege for a black person to share that with you don't challenge question or compare oppressions just respect what they are sharing and take it as an honor so that's my tip for y'all who ain't black listening now black folks let's get on back to y'all on this train this this is my tip for y'all if you on some real 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 woke stuff right i'm talking about going beyond 
Malcolm X and Martin Luther, okay? I'm talking about if you really getting woke. The first thing I want to say to you is congratulations, okay? Welcome aboard. You have decided to take a journey that you will not be able to turn back from. And it's a beautiful thing, no matter how scary, no matter how overwhelming. The freedom of this overrides that awe. So congratulations. You know, my brother, my sister, welcome aboard. I'm so happy you're here. Um, But the only tip, I'm only going to give y'all one tip too. And the only tip I'm going to give you is to not be intimidated. Don't be intimidated by the wealth of information out there. This intimidation can stop you from fully diving in. Like if you if you are are already recognizing the wealth of information out there and you are feeling like, "Ooh, this is nerve-wracking, this is intimidating. Like I have no clue where to start." I'm gonna tell you like the great Dr. Wade Nobles personally told me. And what he said to me in one of our um, uh, Bay Area chapter meetings is you've already begun. And that, like that, that's all he had to say. And it clicked. And by that, he meant I have already begun the journey of learning. I have already started like I've already started and I say to you, you have too. So don't be intimidated by the amount of knowledge out there, the amount of information out there. What I encourage you to do is keep reading, keep watching, keep expanding your knowledge because from here, there is no limit to the greatness of your blackness. And every time you walk in a room now, people gonna be like, oh my God, he smelled good or she smelled good. What fragrance is that that she wearing? That is the fragrance of blackness. And that is a fragrance of greatness. Okay, so that's it for today, y'all. That's my rant. That's my little my little tips, my little, you know, information and knowledge that I wanted to give y'all. Um, I hope y'all enjoyed it. Make sure that you comment. Let me know what y'all think. But you know, don't be don't be putting no no hatery on 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 the comments. You can give, you know, honest feedback, but if you come with the foolery, you will be ignored, deleted, and blocked. Okay. Um, but for the cultural tidbit, um, I'm giving y'all two assignments. <clears throat> the first one is I'm encouraging everyone, black, white, purple, blue, striped, polka dot, whatever you identify as, I am encouraging every single person that's listening to this podcast to um, watch the documentary called Out of Darkness, and it's on Amazon Prime. If you have Amazon Prime, it's free and it's available for you to watch at any time. If you don't have a Prime membership, I'm almost positive that you can still go on to Prime and and rent it, um, like, you know, rent the documentary for a day or so, and you can still watch it. Um, but this is an amazing film. It's featuring Anthony Browder. Um, it also features Kaba Kamini, um, Dr. Joy DeGroy, and it even um, 
you know, features a little little snippet from Tim Wise. He even make a little bit of an appearance. And if y'all don't know who Tim Wise is, y'all need to look him up. The only thing I'll say is that he is a perfect example of how to appropriately use your white privilege. Um, so y'all need to look him up if you don't know who he is. Speaking of looking up, the second a little cultural tidbit assignment I'm giving y'all is to look up one of the black civil rights leaders that I mentioned in today's episode. Um, so either look up Francis James Grimke, um, or you can look up Fanny Lou Hammer, but you know, from the reading I gave y'all, they both was really doing it. And so make sure that you look one of them up and just you know, research them a little bit more, learn a little bit more about what they contributed to the civil rights movement. Um, I'll leave all this information in the show notes so that you guys can kind of go and look at it and, you know, jot down some notes and find this information on your own. So y'all, that is it for today. Until the next time we chat, I really hope that you do something that will help you bloom into your best self. And as I always, always say, I truly am excited for you to come back and join me next week so that you can join me in walking another day in my culture.